I've got. We're off to an amazing start. Oh, Hold on, you might God. want to record the sound of me swallowing this gum really. Quick. Oh, you're you gonna wanna... swallow it? <laughs> always, oh my always. God. I know that the thing about gum in your stomach is not true because I've swallowed not less than 600 pounds of gum in my life and I'm fucking fine. Hello again, my friends, and welcome to Jorgensen Soundbox. This show is a series of conversations where I learn from smart friends. And today is a very special episode because I'm with two of my favorite people and we together are launching an early stage venture fund. It's my pleasure to introduce you to my friends and partners, Al and Bo. Uh, today, we're launching Rolling Fund, which will invest in early stage technology companies all over the world. You can invest with us, or perhaps if you're a founder, we will invest in your startup. Either way, we would love to talk with you. Uh, you can visit rolling.fun for more info. We're open for investments now, uh, but we do have a $2.5 million a year cap for year one. Uh, so first come, first serve on the investor side. Uh, if you enjoy conversations like this and want to be a part of more, go to ejorgensen.com, check it out. We write about these startups. We share more things that we're investing in or interested in. Now, please enjoy this conversation arriving at your ears in three, two, one. Before we do anything even vaguely related to work, Al just climbed Kilimanjaro and has to tell us what it's like to climb a mountain. Um, well, <clears throat> listen, guys, as the second mountaineer in this group, because <laughs> it was like the most grandiose thing I could think to ever do. And both like, oh, yeah, I did that when I was a kid. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Uh, no, it was, uh, it, was, it was a delightful time. It was a delightful time. Use Rahala Venture Adventures. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're Shout they're out really to nice. No, it was funny because I was talking to this guy about like, what are the other trips that they do? They're like an adventuring uh, company. And he's like, oh, you got to go to Ethiopia. I was like, okay, what's the one in Ethiopia? He's like, oh, well, you, you climb up and you hike or and you camp next to a live volcano. So it's bubbling like 50 yards away. And I was like, oh, that sounds awful. He's like, yeah, the sulfur smell. You can't sleep at all, but, but you get the experience. <laughs> and then there, then we got a guy. <laughs> we got a guy who will go out at midnight and uh, he'll drive you out in his truck and he gets out and he puts some meat on the end of a stick and he sits out there and like does a call and hyenas come and we'll eat the meat on the stick. And he's like, and then you can get out of the truck and you get in like a child's pose and you hold meat in your hand and the hyenas will climb on your back and put their paws I'm on you no, and I'm eat. I'm a no Al on this and, as, a, as a future destination. And eat, and eat the meat. And I'm like, huh. Okay. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's fantastic. You have to do it. It's the best one. I was like, what? do you have any with like a beach? <laughs> do you have any adventures that are like, oh, that looks really cool. Not I, I slept next to a volcano that could have bubbled wrong and killed me yeah. and uh, and fed a hyena out of, my, out of my hand while laying prone on the ground. <laughs> no, we don't have any. Nobody is like, it's funny because all their stuff, like uh, this great infomercial for these guys but like i was like what about petra and he's like yeah yeah most people they'll go to the front of petra we take you on a five-day journey in the back and we pretend to be like ottomans in a caravan we'll attack you and do the whole thing and you eat like they did and then you come in through the back of petra which nobody's really allowed to do and we we just like that's a big okay. 
I feel like I feel like you just take the Statue of Liberty, sure, but we throw you off the boat and then you have to swim there, and we have a cheese sandwich for you when you make it through. And you really get the experience. It's like, man, this sounds awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So actually, Eric, you're the only one of this group then that hasn't climbed Kilimanjaro. I don't know if that's lost on you, but um, why? That's a what tough are spot you doing on Africa's tallest peak? Um, I have no I have no plans for Kilimanjaro, but I. Uh, have a lot of time left because I am the youngest, which makes me feel slightly better about the fact that I am the only person who is not at this table, who has not founded a company, climbed Kilimanjaro, <laughs> and fucking gone to Harvard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So oh, that, it's, it's unclear Actually, what I'm doing here. Now that I'm thinking about it, do we need Eric? One question about this fund in general. Um, he hasn't done anything. No, I don't. I don't we may. This may Are be you, a two-man fund he's, going he's forward. 20, he's 21 years old. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. He's young. 90 seconds before we started recording, I, I believe it's not a misquote to say, thank God you brought notes. <laughs> we need somebody who brings notes. Listen, so. just, just to stroke your ego a little bit, you're really good at notes. Thank you. I, I, I no, only need to be good at one thing. Yeah, you do, That's yeah. Fine. Well, I mean, the only the only downside of not having Eric would be that this fund could never have happened. That's correct. Because That's neither correct. you or I would have done it. He but, also may be the most famous one in the room, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't know. He's done an true. excellent job brand building. People ask to meet not him. Not climbing Kilimanjaro. Pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. No. He, he has, has been no trying to get famous to by climbing mountains. And <laughs> it's just not the way to go about it. No, the best was, was I was up there with uh, two, three people who were uh, seven peak summiters and they'd done all of them. And so you're like, man, this is so hard. And they're like, oh, I remember one time when I was on Denali and like stuck and we thought we were going to die and hit by a snowstorm. And it's like, oh, that sounds okay. harder. That sounds much harder. <laughs> I'm going to have my porter to hike up my backpack. And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> do you have anybody that can warm my gloves? I just want to <laughs> blow on them a little. Okay, thank you. Is, it, what is like the risk of death on Kilimanjaro? <laughs> it, it's, as close to zero as possible. It's okay. funny because going, if I were to go again, you know, they make you get like, like uh, global rescue insurance and stuff. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know, you're reading up about it. It's like, oh, they got to evacuate me off of there. If I sprain my leg and they got to take me in a helicopter and, uh, and then you get there and it's like, oh, it's like, like, it's just a path. It's a path that you walk. I mean, it's a path up, Yeah. right? You're going up, but there's no technical anything to it. And so, uh, yeah, I would have, I would have been. I would have packed much less and brought like a board game to play. <laughs> the, the things I would change. Deck of cards. Yeah. Taco hat, pizza, cat, goat, whatever that was. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would. All right. Uh, I feel like we've sufficiently uh, rambled to the point where we should introduce ourselves. Yeah, no, that was good banter, guys. That yeah. was good banter. Strong banter. Yeah. Thanks I, for I giving us such... probably stop. I think this fund is fully subscribed. <laughs> banter fodder. But... <laughs> if you're not in by now, I don't know what to tell you. 66% <laughs> of them climbed a mountain? Oh. I'm in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and at... that mountain was our education <laughs> at Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> um, Al, do you want to, like, tell your story? Your introduction. Yeah. It's your, it's your like people two minutes who don't on know me. Story. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. I am but a poor farm boy. That <laughs> that uh, that's that's true. I well, so I actually was born and raised in California. Uh, my family went bankrupt when we were we lads. I was like thirteen, and Sears came to take away our Packard Bell computer. It was very jarring for me as a child. Uh, but then we we was, moved our whole family out. Like we were fifth generation Californians. Moved out to a farm in Missouri that literally my mom found as we were like driving around old gravel roads. And she's like, Oh, 
here's the place that nobody lives in for like 40 years. It was like the doors were wide open. It was waist deep in garbage. Raccoons living everywhere. And she, she got the guy. She's like, we can't afford rent, but if you'll let us live here, we'll clean it up in exchange for rent. And uh, he said, sure. And so like, that was our, that was when we came to Missouri, I literally, I was like, we're moving to the wild West. Like I was ready. I was ready to go to the middle of nowhere here. And we kind of did West to East adventure stories. We didn't have, we didn't have, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Not a lot of young man. Let's go to the wild in the east. Yeah. Uh, but like there was no running water. I pooped in a bucket for like months. And we would literally like little house in the prairie. We'd boil water on the stove for it. And it's funny. I'm glad they didn't have when we were kids, they didn't have uh, child protective services or uh, my, <laughs> my sweet mother wouldn't have us anymore. But uh, but uh, how, how old were you? I was 13 when we got here. And for oh. it was funny because like California was the land of concrete and strip malls. Because I lived in like the poor part of California, and then we moved out here, and it was like lakes and rivers and streams for a kid, dude. Yeah. I, was, I was Huckleberry Finn all of a sudden, and just like loving life. Uh, had a great time out here, and then uh, yeah, grew up. Uh, went went to school in Hawaii. I started in St. Joe, Missouri. If you know, if you know Missouri, <laughs> Missouri Western State uh, College now University. And uh, I was like, wait, I'm going to college. I should not go to St. Joe. So I went to Hawaii. Had a good time there, came out, and I really wanted to get into uh, startups. Um, I thought that that was going to be my my thing, and so I schlummed around with uh, with tech stars out in Boulder. I talked uh, old Nicole Gleros and uh, David Cohen into giving me a giving me a shot as like a mopey intern out there, and like it was it was great because I got to just hang out with a bunch of cool people building cool stuff, uh, you know. <laughs> You'd sit in with uh, with these like mentor interviews or the like chit chatting with Dick Costello and stuff. I'm like, oh, I, <laughs> I always wondered about that. Great. <laughs> and uh, on the side, I started this company for my mom, a quilt company called the Missouri Star Quilt Company in our little town of Hamilton, uh, about an hour north of Kansas City. And so I kept hopping around with with tech stars, uh, went out to New York and helped Dave Tish start the program out there and like had a good time with it. Just really built a cool network and then went and did startup boot camp in Europe with uh, Alex Farset, just had a blast. Like I was, I was deep in it, spent a couple of years there. And then this quilt company that I started on the side kept growing and uh, that was doing its thing. And so that, uh, that's like a hundred million dollars in revenue. It's a great big company with uh, hundreds of employees now, but uh, that, that kept growing. And I was like, a, I, I think I started when I was 26 and, and uh, got, got all the growing pains. Like we bootstrapped the whole thing, which was cool. Because nobody would invest in a quilt company, <laughs> nor should they have. They were wrong, but also right. Uh, <laughs> and so we we built this quilt company. Uh, but but our shtick, man, like we bought we bought the whole town. So we owned twenty seven buildings in this town because I wanted. I, it's like literally sitting through these mentor meetings and stuff. I'm like, all the ideas were going towards a quilt shop. You know, they were they yeah. thought they were giving advice to cool like video internet companies but no really i was in the back saying yes we'll genius. sell more fabric yeah <laughs> and so uh yeah we we i i googled what town had the most quilt shops of any town in the world and it was someplace in germany at four and i was like man we're gonna murder these ladies <laughs> and uh so we we have like 15 quilt shops in our town we we turned it into like the quilt town usa it was this whole big to do it, it's cool if you ever get the chance to come see it you should but we have like a hotel thing that we work out of there. We have some restaurants that we had to start and do all this stuff because we had to build the whole Disneyland experience for uh, delighting 40 to 70-year-old women was, uh, was sort of our MO. And, and 
my fiance who loves oh, yeah, Hamilton no. <laughs> and we go up there all the time and it's super cool. That was during yeah. the pandemic. Eric called it a favor. He, he wanted to give his <laughs> wife a private shopping tour. So we opened up these stores that had been closed for like a year. It was a good boyfriend move. It yeah. Was oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then I, I step back from that. I would, I would call it like a divergence of risk tolerance happened between me and my sister and my buddy, Dave, we were the co-founders and like, and like, you know, when we started company, we started a quilt company together and it's like, yeah, man, this, this is turning into much more than two minutes. I'm sorry, but we can no, cut it down. No, but if we start a quilt company together, we'd be like, all right, let, let's do it. You like quilting? I like quilting. This is awesome. Then you add $10 million to it. And then you add $50 million to it. And, and all of a sudden you're like, Wait, you're not working as hard as that. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I think we should grow this to be way bigger. And all of a sudden it's 50 million. You're like, no, we we should make sure that we can always pay our rent. Like this yeah. is why we should optimize. And so we had we had very differing views of how to grow the company at that point and uh went through the whole process of like, oh, well, what does that mean? And what should we do and how do we handle that? And uh then started a very long process of turning a family business into a business started by a family, which is no easy task, but uh yeah got through that. And then I, I sat for a little while and, uh, you know, you sort of have the ego voice in your, in your head. It's like, you nobody thinks you were good. You were just a quilt company. You got to do more. And so I went and started another company called let's make art. I was shopping for watercolor paints for my wife. Uh, cause I, I stepped back from the company and like saw color for the first time and light comes back into your life. And I find my <laughs> wife on a river. We were river rafting in Wyoming and like, Came up out she of was the just water, floating down the river. shimmering, and there she was, you know, like, yeah, oh, just water cascading and through my hairy chest. And she was, she was in another boat. And I said, you woman, come to, no. I, so like, we, I like that when I heard that at first, I thought she was shimmering. And then I realized that it was you. She that was, was shimmering. Yeah. <laughs> no, in my, in my, in my fantasy, it's me, it's me shimmering out of the water. And she's oh, just no. in the boat, you know, that, yeah. So there I, there I was, the sunlight glistening off of my body. <sighs> Icicles in his beard and a paddle over his shoulder. <laughs> so I get married. I uh, buy a water girl. Immediately. They got married immediately. Yeah. Yeah. They just bonked her on the head and they got married. It was just like that. <laughs> Poor woman didn't know what hit her. <laughs> and uh, now it was a little bit of like seven brides and seven brothers. So I'm like, look, I'll marry you. But I've got this town that I have back in Missouri. She's from. She's from Utah. She's living in Utah at the time. And I'm like, I've got this town. It's kind of a weird thing. You're not going to believe this. She's like, oh, okay. No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then I like take her to a 1,000 person town. And she was like, so where should I get a job? And I was like, well, we have a Dollar General or a Subway. A subway. <laughs> like, you can't work for the quilt company. That would just be weird. And there's no other employer in town. Yeah, yeah, there's like a 1,500 person yeah. town and like 800 people work for this I'm glad stuff. we were seeing therapists at the time because I had a lot to work through still, turns out. <laughs> so I start this. Uh, I'm Googling uh, watercolor paints and the, the number one seller of watercolor paints is dickblick.com. I was like, man, what if they didn't call themselves Dick Blake? <laughs> where could they go? Where could they go? And uh, and it was like nine clicks to get from the homepage to the product that I was looking for. And they asked a bunch of crappy questions. I didn't know the answer. I was like, man, people, people, good creative people are going to be sucking at this. And so we started another company that Let's Make Art. I went zero to 16 million in the second year. It was a great success that just uh, was, was really cool. But my wife's very sweet. She's like, you're a builder and you just keep building yourself the same dumb box. You're just shipping, shipping stuff on the internet. Uh, and so then I, uh, I, I sold that to Creativity Inc., which is my company. <laughs> I 
<laughs> it was an easy sell. I sold it to myself. <laughs> and uh, and then I I started another one called Pretzel, which is what I'm working on now. And that is, uh, uh, you know, sort of a Google Photos for everything you own. We pull everything in under one roof and organize it and uh, and help you know what you're doing with your money. It's pretty cool. It is cool. Is it downloadable or is it still? Yeah, so we're in the app store as okay, of right. uh, two weeks ago. Nice. You know, we're uh, we're just. Yeah, <laughs> we're just moving, moving mountains over here. I've been playing with the test flight for a little while. It's very now cool. go check it out, man. It's uh, it's stable now, which is nice. <laughs> Connections are cool. stable. Yeah, so man, you, you can download it and it'll like still be there. If you loved it when it was unstable, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what everybody says. That's what everybody says. So that's that's what I'm. I'm married. I've got a beautiful wife. Uh, three boys. I got twin one year old boys and a three year old boy, and we live on a 250 acre farm in the middle of nowhere. They yeah. run and play in the forest, and it's great. Farm to farm, farm, farm to farm, man. I'm delivering children from the farm to the farm. <laughs> Fresh, That's the beautiful circle of life. Um, will you do like another minute on the or five on the on the quilt company itself? Because I feel like it's a kind of an amazing like you're like it's a quilt company and now we own a town and the transition of like, hey mom, I'm gonna put you on YouTube to like, <clears throat> oh my god, we actually run a e-commerce giants yeah, the, well, the, and sell more fabric than anybody else in the world is like kind of an interesting story in itself. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a little more on that. The, the, so the idea, the idea happened, like I was, I was going to school in Hawaii and I fell in love with these daily deal sites, woot.com, steep and cheap, you know, like the, and there, I don't know if you remember, but there's a daily deal site for everything. It's like, yeah, are yeah, you yeah, into, they were like, mountainbikingchainlove.com and you can, yeah. You know, and it, like everybody had one and I was buying like weird random stuff where I'd be, I'd buy like, gosh, I, I bought a feather comforter and had it shipped to mom's house. And she's like, you go to school in Hawaii. You don't even have windows. What are you doing? I was like, it was such a good deal. Oh, yeah. And it, it, here's three cast iron skillets. I got them for $6. I don't need a cast iron skillet. No, I remember buying the Woot bag of unnamed yeah. things and it's like <laughs> yes. we're not going to tell you what's in it but buy this bag and it's the a bag good deal. of crap yeah. and then you get a bag and you open it and i was like i cannot believe that is a business and then i cannot believe that amazon paid a very high premium for that <laughs> business it's amazing <laughs> well what's, what's the best is matt uh i forget his last name but like the the guy they put the band back together and went and started meh.com because they were pissed at how amazon treated woot but like but I mean, it, what what was cool about it though is I was like, man, this totally hooks me. Nobody's building this for like my mom, like nobody, nobody cared about, and they still really don't. I mean, you look at like they're a huge consumer of of uh, like I don't know the the amount of television on there, but everything's like, welcome to travel with Mario Lopez. We go into Miami, and you're like, my grandma is the one that's watching this. You really should go to Hannibal, Missouri, yeah, and talk to us about the river boats. That's what. <laughs> That's what they'd love to see, but nobody builds content for them. And so I, I, I started quiltersdailydeal.com and I literally, man, I was writing, I, I was copying Woot exactly, right? I was w- writing a big story and the whole thing. Like you look back at the early ones when I was doing it and I'd be like, and then Pinocchio went to the crazy carnival and, and turned into a donkey and looked up and said, jumbo rickrack, $3.33. You should get your stuff today. You know, like. Like I, just, I mean, we just go all over the place. This stuff to to make this company happen, and uh, so so we started this in the middle of nowhere, just trying to help mom uh, not have to live in our basement, help her pay the bills a little bit, and uh, and it it started to do a thing, and uh, I, it was a marketing challenge because we were like, man, there's how do we advertise to quilters? There's not an ESPN for quilting, 
uh, what should we do? So we started building. I, our, our strategy at the time, we just called it like watering holes. We had to build like watering holes where people would gather. And if we did it with different brands, then people wouldn't be mad to hear from the same, you know, like Missouri Star can't talk to you 10 times a day. But mm-hmm. if you have Quilts by Me and the Cutting Table blog and the, you know, like all these different people can sort of nudge you throughout the week and it's not seen as overwhelming or, or spammy. Mm-hmm. And so we just built, you know, we built a lot of this. And then, uh, you know, at the time, this was 2008, we launched our YouTube channel, which it's crazy. YouTube was only two years old at that point. It's YouTube started in 2006, which yeah, I'm like, that is amazing. Huh? <laughs> Cause they really did a good job. Brand- like for some reason I knew them in 2008 and, yeah. and it was obvious they were a winner. Right. But like, they were just everywhere. And so we started the, the only YouTube channels for quilting were like, I'm quilting book. And it'd be like a, you know, an old 640 by 480 webcam that this guy was trying to do a thing, which is, it was great. It was cool that he was doing stuff, but I was like, man, we'll, we'll buy a decent camera. And, uh, you know, we'll teach people how to do this stuff. We'll give the content away for free. And so my model, my model for all my e-commerce brands is content commerce community. And I have an angle on each of those that we answer batting a thousand when I, when I follow it. And so we started with the content there and it, it really, I mean, the, the video stuff was the thing that was our, our mainstay because we would send out an email every week to people and say, here's, here's this new video that we're giving you for free. And by the way, some stuff that you need to make the thing in the video is here. And we'd get like, man, in the early days, we'd get like a 70% open rate on that marketing email going to hundreds of thousands of people, which, which is if you're a marketer, you're like, you're very happy with the 70% open rate. (laughs) And, uh, and so like, it just, it just grew like crazy. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the town, that physical manifestation of the brand became really important because everybody else was a warehouse on the internet and we got to be like this, this, uh, sort of personality that you come visit, you can come see us and come give us a hug and tell us how things went, what you think about stuff. And everybody else was, you know, they're just a warehouse trying to take your money. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Cause like, as I work with brands and like, literally that, I don't think there's a company I've invested in that I'm, that there's not a part of me. that's like, you should really buy a town. <laughs> you, know? you know how cheap towns are? You need a uh, lot of towns for I, sale. I invested in Lambda school. That's bloom tech now with Austin Allred and, yeah. uh, and they, they're doing great. But I was talking to, I was like, dude, did you know you can buy a summer camp for like a million dollars and you can get like on a lake in Maine with 250 cabins, like go buy a summer camp. And, ha- and people go there and you can like have the whole thing. Like it, it, what's cool about it is like, that's worth telling a story. I mean, a PR person's dream is like, oh, you're interesting. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, the quote company that's been on the front page of the Wall Street Journal on CBS Sunday morning, NBC Nightly News. Like we've been everywhere with that. Uh, and, and like, I thought the the family was an interesting angle. The industry was an interesting angle. I thought I was interesting and shimmery. <laughs> And, uh, and the reality is all they cared about was the town. The town has been the most interesting thing by far of, mm. uh, of, of what, what the town's done, but that's like 4% of our revenue. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but still it just means so much to, to the story and to who we are and to our customers. And you like revitalize this town. Like it's, you know, I've been to a lot of small towns and like no, the, ta- the atmosphere is amazing. <laughs> the town's great. Well, and honestly, like, like it's just getting bigger. We just bought yeah. this shoe factory in town, which is four acres uh, in a 40,000 square foot building and our own water tower, which, oh, you know, sick. a man needs a water tower. It, you can shimmer oh, constantly <laughs> under that water. <laughs> just Al in the top of the water tower shimmering. Hello, oh. ladies. <laughs> For your birthday, we're going to put a giant beard on that water tower and oh, make yeah. it look yes. like Al. Dude, you'd think you'd want to climb right up that. It is terrifying when you get looking at it. But uh, 
But yeah, I mean, we'll we'll keep building on that stuff. And like, I mean, we got a hundred thousand people a year that come through there, which for a town that like nobody really knows about, like it's just in the middle of nowhere. It's an agriculture town, and uh, and the fact they get to come and have a beautiful experience, and like, you know, houses are getting built, and schools are uh, getting some revenue, and all that stuff. It's it's fun. We'll proceed alphabetically. Yeah, how are you, Bo? Bowman? Tell us about your quilting story. <laughs> What's your relation to this? My, my, my relationship to quilting will be a very short story. <laughs> so I think we're, we'll, we'll tighten this thing up um, going forward. Uh, no, I just listening to that. I think I grew up in a probably slightly less PTSD-inducing Huck Finn situation, <laughs> frankly. Um, I grew up in rural Georgia on a big lake with not a lot of people around and you know my first oh, job dude, was blast. working at a marina where i rode my jet ski to work every day which was like <laughs> the most fun thing in the world you know my, my dad had started a company when i was a little kid out of our garage and kind of got to watch him grow it he sold it uh, my senior year in high school and retired um i would say probably prematurely given that his plan for post-retirement was not a very good one um i was just desperately trying to get a thing dude. well you know he 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 uh he spent the next year thinking he was waiting for a non-compete to run out and then instead just actually didn't know what he wanted to do next yeah. and he was in his early 40s he's actually about the same age i am now had a hard time picking it back up to get into something and i kind of always thought watching that growing up that like i like that company building thing that seems like a good idea but i don't ever want to retire yeah. Like I want to keep working and building something else and helping people build things. And, um, I think my brother and I were both just like pretty programmed to think like, if you could build something useful and valuable, like you could, you could kind of make a living doing that. And so I've started and sold a handful of companies now, which I, I mean, we can run through or whatever, but mostly like I love early stage companies. Cause it's when you get to see people be like the most creative and do insane things like buy towns and actually pull it off. <laughs> And I think it's when you get people's kind of full self working on things and you just see the best of, of kind of what is possible. So, you know, I had a social networking company in 2004. I learned only in hindsight that I was one of the first 10,000 users of Facebook, um, which is pretty crazy with a, for a platform that has, you know, billions of people on it now. Um, Wait, what, what was your social network? It was called Jaune, but it was not, it was, we did not launch it in it the US. French? Uh, no, it was actually, it was, we launched a, we launched a very, basically the same product, slightly localized in France, Germany, Brazil, and China. Nobody in France gave a shit. Actually, nobody really gave a shit in Germany <laughs> either. Uh, in Brazil, it was actually right when Orkut was coming up and yeah. it steamrolled us. And in China, oh, no way. we had somebody on the ground there who was just a, a real badass and it was a kind of platform that we had built to be localized with the thought being we we're going to start all these local social networks all over the place only the one in china worked um and 10 months after we started it somebody bought it and um actually a, a very essentially like a subsidiary of a sovereign wealth fund bought us and the five other fastest growing kind of social networks in china and rolled them all up and basically turned into china's facebook today and so we thought they were massively overpaying. We were growing really fast every week. We sold it 10 months after we started it. It was just me and another guy. Um, awesome. And I was like 25. And it was a really cool and hilarious experience that like I think was 97% luck, but also a really fun and cool experience. And so on the heels of that, went to business school at Harvard. And I literally went there thinking that like this seems like it would be a fun place to go meet other people who want to start companies. It wasn't really that actually. I kind of learned when I got there. It was a different thing than that. It was fun. I had a great time. I actually ended up meeting a couple guys at MIT at the time who were one was in their postdoc and one was finishing their PhD, uh, who'd invented some really cool technology that had been, you know, funded forty million dollars from DARPA money to do some cool laser stuff. 
And we licensed it. We licensed our technology from MIT, started that company, moved up to Palo Alto, raised some money. It was called Lightspeed Genomics. Um, and it was a human genome sequencing company, which was a very hard company to build in the time when everybody was kind of racing for the $1,000 genome. And we had a really cool solution in the kind of optics space. Spent, you know, about five years working on that. We got bought by a large um, Korean company that is like the largest sequencing service provider in the mm -hmm. world. And they were they were trying to do proprietary technology. Do you, do you guys remember that folding at home craze? Like, was were you were you a part of any of that? No, no, no. The Stanford, uh, dude. I I learned about that at the startup weekend where I met Bo. Oh no like, way! Like all the distributed computing stuff, um, which we uh, I don't know, it was super cool. <laughs> we had we had in the early days. There's a website out here called Casey Geek that uh, that like was just a couple of buddies and stuff. But like <laughs> we we'd spend our Spend our weekends going into like CompUSA and installing our client on every computer. <laughs> there <is>. like, <laughs> there, there, you should have new, tried that for Bitcoin well, mining. Say, yeah. there's, a, there's a new version of that in the Web3 world, actually, <laughs> where it's like, hey, I'll pay you 50 bucks a month if you just plug this little thing in your house for me, right? It's like, yeah. also, I may steal all your credentials, but like, yeah. uh, but but I do, I think that is actually like the Web3 world is kind of introducing a whole another version of that, which is pretty wild. <laughs> so um, in any case, that was a, that was a company that was, um, it was honestly a grind. It was like a serious grind. You were excited um, to be out. Um, you know, it, it was it was interesting. I probably learned more about founding team dynamics on that company than anything else that I've ever done. We had, it was me and two two co founders who were just ended up not really being aligned with what we what we two, two of us were kind of very dialed in, and the other one was kind of always pulling in a direction that just made it really really hard to build what we thought the company could have been. Yeah, and eventually, frankly, like we we pretty i mean the sale was a was roughly us capitulating that we were not going to turn it into a billion dollar company but you know it could be a tens of millions of dollar company and, and we could kind of get out and move on but it's actually one of those things that like made me think really hard about founding teams and how to help them work together and how to not get in your own way and how to navigate that stuff anyway it was it was um learned learned a lot also learned that probably didn't like super love um really capital intensive hardware businesses even though they seem really fun so we had this cool cool thing that we had with that company we had um, a really neat lab in palo alto and it was like a very tony stark experience where you like walked on and flipped on some switches and there were green lasers that filled the room uh. and reflected <laughs> off and you just like momentarily felt like very powerful and then like it didn't really work but um which <laughs> which which made you rethink how powerful you were but, um, but but we built some really really neat technology actually and that was that was a kind of a fun thing that came out of that and then i actually you know i ended up spending I was kind of doing some angel investing at the time. This was 2007. I was doing some angel investing and learning that like that was not the thing that I love to do full time. So um, I ended up starting kind of what started as like an entrepreneur in residence at the Kauffman Foundation, which is a big foundation in Kansas City that helps entrepreneurs and spent about five years there as the kind of head of entrepreneurship and kind of spun up a little in-house incubator that actually specialized in taking uh, postdoc students from from STEM labs, basically at universities and helping them commercialize what they'd invented. Um, and it was really fun. Like we got, you know, we had 10 to 15 PhD founders kind of coming through these programs and kind of helping to figure out how much was kind of science and how much was business and where, how to commercialize it and license it. And like, so you just got to see a really, really rapid flow of these things. And some of them have actually turned out to be really, really awesome companies that like in hindsight, I wish I would have just been an angel and all of that. <laughs> I was like running a program, um, but they've done some really, really cool stuff in the in the kind of med tech world and the surgery world and the kind of biomolecular world. So we just kind of got to learn a lot fast. And what I kind of realized, I think, kind of five years in, was that like I just wasn't done building stuff. Like philanthropy full time was not the thing that was probably the thing that I was ready for. It's funny in this context of the podcast talking about rolling 
funds and stuff is like also investing was not the thing that I wanted to do full time. Right. Like that was yeah. not like I, I, I like to build and I like to be with people who were building. That is actually kind of when Eric came into my life. So like Eric was coming to be. This came out of the water uh, shimmering. He was, he, was, he, was a, <laughs> he was in a Kaufman Foundation pond shimmering <laughs> um, like a giant merman. And no, I, uh, um, I was actually hiring interns to come and work in this kind of accelerator incubator thing at Kaufman. And I actually met Eric um, at Michigan State um, when I when I went up there because I just wanted to kind of meet some folks who were working on startups up there. And uh, we kind of hit it off. And I was like, hey, man, you should totally come and spend the summer with me. It'd be really fun. We'll work with a lot of smart people. We'll, you'll learn a ton or whatever. And um, so he was coming for a visit um, sometime in the spring to kind of get ready for his internship. And uh, the day he showed up was the day that I told the Kaufman Foundation that I was leaving to go and start a company. And I was like, hey, welcome to your internship. Uh, there's, uh, You can have an internship, but I won't be here. <laughs> and he was like, what are we doing here? And I was like, well, if you want to come with me, I'm going to go start this company and we're going to give this thing a big run. And uh, that was kind of the moments leading up to starting Zarly, um, which was a company that um, we had for about 10 years, actually sold it last year in what was roughly like a disaster on, on some fronts and a hilarious <laughs> if, and if fun adventure in some other ways. But we did like the very classic, like blue chip venture backed, you know, Meg Whitman on the board, Kleiner Perkins led the round, raised a ton of money, spent all the money, hired lots of people, fired all the people. Um, the, the really kind of unadulterated pursuit of scale where if you don't really scale, like then you don't have a company, right? Like the, 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 um, and I want, I mean, I, I went into it knowing that was what I wanted to try because I'd never done something like that. Probably won't do that again, but I learned a ton, met a lot of amazing people. Honestly, one of the coolest things I think about Zarley is that it goes beyond Eric, that like people who were a part of the adventure early on and in the mid part, and even more recently have really gone on to do a lot of amazing things. Um, and some of them run their own companies, some of them run their own funds. You're saying you like, got a, you got a Zarley mafia. It's a, yeah, definitely. Yes. Actually. Like there's a, it's like, it's, a, it's not in a lot of Twitter bios, you know, <laughs> no, 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 but, 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 but it's, it's a, underground. It, it, it is really, it's been like really cool to see the group of people who kind of all like, were kind of forged in that like go, go fire. I, I feel like that's a dream. Man, like that, that's, that's uh every, every entrepreneur like just dreams of having the crew that then you know, out. man, it's pretty, I agree with you. Uh, that was not the anticipated outcome that I was going <laughs> for, um, but, but it actually has ended up being the one that is probably like, that I, on the one hand, I'm probably like most proud of. And it is also probably the most productive, right? Like, you know, Eric spends a lot of time talking about leverage. If you just think about like making a positive impact on the world leverage, yeah. like the group of people who kind of came through that, even, I mean, investors, team members, consultants, like everybody who kind of like was a part of that. Um, has just gone on to just do awesome things. And I think all of them are like, well, damn, we learned some things not to do in that context. And also like we learned how important and valuable it is to work with people who you're excited to work with. And like, that is like a really, really cool thing to see. So in any case, we sold Zarly, uh, last year to an Australian company that is a hilarious own story that I will not spend tons of time on, but, um, a company called Airtasker that just recently launched in the U S kind of on the back of acquiring Zarly. It's real wild because like they are, um, they're virtually a, a identical twin of the original birth of Zarly in 2011. They started that same company in 2012 in Australia and they went public last year. And in some ways, like they kind of made this thing work that we tried to make work. What was Zarly? What, what was the uh, idea? For the, the original, the original context of Zarly was in an environment where everybody has a connection to the internet with them at all times. 
you could basically kind of take the want ads and say like, hey, I am in the West Bottoms in Kansas City and I need somebody who can help me with this. And you could syndicate that out to everybody in the kind of local proximity network and have people say like, oh yeah, I'm happy. I want to go make some money right now. I want to go make 20 bucks, right? I want to go make 200 bucks, right? It was it was to bring kind of like a transparency to like local economies so that people who needed things and people who wanted to make money could find each other. And we built that. And it was crazy because like it's easy when you run the PR engine and stuff to get like a lot of hype and have, I mean, we had a million people sign up and all that kind of stuff, which is never actually converted into a good business. Um, so uh-huh. the, it ended up pivoting a few years in to kind of turn into a different business. But as it relates to Airtasker, that is exactly what Airtasker is today. Like it is literally um, 70% of people in the country of Australia have unprompted brand recognition with this company where you literally go to their website and you say, hey, I need somebody who can come over tomorrow night and clean after a party. And within two hours, you have seven offers from people who are like, hey, I'll come and do it. I'll do it for less money than that other person or whatever. And it is it is like a thriving marketplace. And so um, they're trying to figure out if they can export that from Australia. Um, we'll see. Um, the team the team was our leader in the acquisition is kind of working on it with them and stuff and, and, um, and kind of helping them try to figure out how to find the right the right footing there. That's but, cool. But it's it's pretty wild. I mean, it's uh, it was it was pretty. And, and one of the reasons that we went ahead and did this acquisition because it wasn't like overly material financially was like, damn, they made that thing work that we tried to make work 10 years ago. Let's what's the magic there. I still don't know the answer, um, <laughs> but, but trying to figure it out. This is so. cheap Australians. That's what you needed. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think uh, also 10 years ago was a pretty different time in the internet, right? Like the way that consumer internet has changed is really different. Um, anyway. So, so anyway, all, all what in any case, all along the way, like, you know, starting in t- 2000 and probably four, um, I started doing a couple, few handful of angel investments a year, ended up being a lot of angel investments kind of just over time. Cause that's what happens when you do them here and there. And some of them have exited, some have gone to zero. You know, I, I, I generally, um, try to invest in companies who I found myself helping not as an investor. Cause I just like to be around the people. And then when it made sense and rounds came together, if that's what they needed, like invested, but it was really for me, like a lever to spend more time around people who I like to spend time around. And, um, I had actually never really done anything that was like pure arm's length investing until much more recently like directly in companies because like the whole point of it for me was to like meet awesome people who were doing cool things and see if i could be helpful and if not then get out of their way it's it's an excuse to go bum around the office and it is. get lunch yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's it's an excuse to like hang out with people when they're their most dialed in and the smartest about the thing that they're working on and i think it's just really um, what, honestly what i think is like great retirement prevention it's like you don't ever want to retire if you're around <laughs> that kind of energy that's what's fun about it, I think, for me. That's cool, man. Yeah, you get a super broad view. Yeah. Like, and, and the thing that you realize is like when you are a founder, when you're in founder mode, you spend all your time with your team. But in investment mode, you get to like spend time with other founders and hang out and kind of be like, holy shit, like you know a lot about quilting. Tell, tell me everything. What's <laughs> yeah. it like to buy a town? And like those stories and learning all that stuff is all really cool. Um, and when we're friends with a bunch of founders, you kind of see those seeds like as they're planted and emerging. So, yeah, I so mean, early. It's, it is interesting like that. That is the thing where like when you think about like a like an investment that you and I did together, like a density mm-hmm. where it's like. I would have done whatever to help Andrew as he was getting that company started, right? Like he flew out to Kansas City and like hung out for a couple days or whatever. And like it was that it was from my perspective, not at all in the context of like, oh, let me get into this angel deal. It was like, oh, my God, like you just want to help this guy be successful. And it so turns out that at this moment. They need to raise around mm-hmm. and there's an opportunity to participate in it. And so that that is kind of like the thread to pull when you meet so many founders who are smart and looking for help 
sometimes the answer is like, you can write a check and that's the help that they need. And like, sometimes they just need to meet the right people or whatever it is. But that is like just a great example of like, if you would have been like, no, I don't want your money. I would have been very, very happy to spend time and energy helping still. Cause it's just the mm-hmm. people you want to back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was a unique one. I mean, like just seeing, I never even heard anybody talk about that problem before. And so like, not only are you learning something well, about what like, is the, what is the problem? So dens- density builds this, uh, sensor that's like a computer vision sensor you mount over a door and it can anonymously count in real time people like coming and going from a space oh yeah and so then you're like door count or oh yeah people count right they have them in gas stations but not the density version because the thing just dings so you know someone's there turns out like nobody had messed with that technology in 50 years 40 years or whatever and they were like hey if you really did this right you can know how people are using space yeah, every every retailer has some version that's trying to count how many people came in and then what they convert on, right? Yeah. So the retailers all use these like cameras, um, but because it's a public space, so you can use a camera and then sort of count or identify from there. But a lot like internal companies all need anonymity, and airports need like there's a bunch of stuff that's like well, you can't need be to know how many people are in there. So when the fire happens, you yeah, know how many get yeah, yeah. So there's insurance compliance. There's I mean like every time you see somebody standing at a door with a people count clicker or whatever. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of cool it's applications just, that's of a it. Pen. They're just, <laughs> they're just clicking <laughs> They're jamming as many people as they can into the click, bar. Click, click, <laughs> what about you, Eric? Let's hear the story, man. I should not have let you guys go first. <laughs> we can, some post, post-production, post-production, you can go first. <laughs> we'll fix, uh, we'll fix this. <laughs> no, I grew up, I grew up just outside Detroit in a, uh, in a, like also a, family a business family like my grandfather started a business that my dad ran so it was very normal to kind of like sit around the table and talk about like oh shit we have to make payroll um and like you know it, it was a small business more than tech entrepreneurship it's kind of like um it's a manufacturer's representative and stuff but uh i came up with that appreciation and so i was always a kid like selling candy out of my locker and getting paid to give kids rides to school and stuff and um by college that was kind of becoming tech entrepreneurship because Facebook was getting big and everybody's like, like WordPress was coming out and it's kind of like, Oh, this is like a global thing and like true scaled entrepreneurship that kind of changes the world is, you know, a little bit distinct from small business and it's tech enabled. And so that was kind of like drew me towards Silicon Valley. And I started working on, I mean, I like met every other student I could at Michigan state that was like starting a company. And then that led to starting a student business incubator and so I was like running a little baby student business incubator when I encountered Bo at Kaufman and was like, oh, this is like the world-class version of what I'm doing. And I mean, Alan, the same way that you were like, I just want to hang out at Techstars. I was kind of like, like, holy shit, like this, they have done all the work to collect the smartest people in the world about all of these things. And I can watch this laboratory for company starting and learn everything and um, and Bo fucked that plan immediately <laughs> <laughs> by just like going and starting his own company. But that was like, I mean, my goal eventually was like, I'll, I will work in this place. I will watch all these things. I'll kind of like learn these patterns. And then I will, you know, it's the perfect place to kind of join one of these companies. And that just happened in a day instead of three years. And uh, was along the whole Zarly ride doing a bunch of jobs, like whatever I could that I was vaguely qualified or, or not partially qualified, qualified or a... completely unqualified for. Yeah. That's um, why you're in a startup. That, that exactly we often, right. yeah. I'm a CTO. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think that will say that was probably true. True of Eric. It was true of some other folks too. It was definitely true of Eric that any time we encountered a problem where we weren't sure where to start, we gave it to Eric, 
And he, he had the rapid acceleration version of how do I get my bearings? How do I get smart enough about this to be useful? And then either, how do I turn it into a process to give it away or say, we should never do this again. And I mean, those are, those are equally good answers, frankly. Honestly, man, like, uh, I, because, because I was one of those people as well, right. In my head, everybody is that person. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. turns out that skill set is so friggin' rare to track down. Like, like if you wanted to go and hire that person tomorrow, which all of us probably would, yep. uh, you know, there's, there's very few of those coming out of business school or anywhere that, uh, that you would actually say, oh yeah, great. You're my guy. Yep. Yeah. Nobody really knows what to call it, but every startup usually yeah. has one. The yeah. jack of, yeah. Like yeah. The, yeah, the just the, the place that problems go to die. The miscellaneous fixer. <laughs> Janine calls it, uh, she's like, I'm drunk drawer Janine. I'll just like pick up whatever project there is and handle yeah. miscellaneous shit. I was like, That's and and it's twofold. Good. One, you let yourself be terribly abused because you'll take yeah. everybody's crap and like fix it. And, and you're the one that stays up till three in the morning to make sure the company doesn't die, not the, the people dropping the ball. Uh, but on the other side, you gain a lot of skills. And you become very valuable to the company. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that's one of those, what, what happens, I think so much in startups and a thing that I have like a, a lot of appreciation for now is that so much of the battle is just finding people who can productively deal with ambiguity mm. because it is ambiguous, ambiguous, ambiguous until there is clarity. And, and like, not everybody is programmed to thrive in those environments, but like every great startup that I have seen is one of two kinds, either happy to fight the ambiguity until you get to the other end or is so razor clear about the problem and the solution out of the gate that like they never have to deal with that ambiguity. And actually those two types of startups just need very, very different. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, it, well, it's funny because yeah, like in a, I feel like a medical device company, you're going to be much more laser focused right. on like yep. the, the con- building a social network. You're like, we don't know what it's going to be or how we're going to make money yet, but we're we'll discover our way there. Right. Yeah. And that is its own kind of like super duper valuable skill set. Sure. And so um, anyway, I, that's a perfect, those, I know this thing in this orthopedic yeah. case is broken. I can fix it is very, but, but it's also why like it's really, really hard to build multi-billion dollar companies in that space because those are solutions to a thing that you find yeah. you make the solution and then you sell it for 30 million bucks to a big medical company. Whereas in that social networking space and many other spaces, certainly in the web three world, if you get it right, it's like literally worth many billions of dollars. And that is like, the, that is how valuable it is to be able to effectively deal with ambiguity and work your way through it. I think. Yeah. Um, should we do some uh, like quick track record of angel investments? I know both of you guys are like, let's just a, flex a, on everybody a decade in. Yeah. We should both like flex. And what's the opposite of a flex? Uh, cower. Like getting caught changing. <laughs> <laughs> my my snap image was getting caught changing where you're like, you still have your shirt on, but you took your pants off. Like that's the opposite of a flex. When, just your, when your penis your shows most vulnerable <laughs> when you're just in like winnie the, you're just in like winnie the pooh mode that's when you everybody know? laughs at you but when <laughs> when you're fully dressed they think this guy's impressive <laughs> okay yeah uh, yeah no, that like, and yeah not just so like oh, i don't know winner Wait, we're, we're winner just talking or, about like cool winner, companies we've invested in yeah companies. winner a missed opportunity um maybe something you, th- you thought was going to like kill it that just died instead Let's see. Uh, some some of the favorite ones that I've invested in, like my investment strategy, uh, is is literally just I like similar to what you were saying. I invest in buddies that I like that I think are smart. And <laughs> with that being said, I haven't passed on any of them that have like given me an opportunity. There's been a few that I'm like, bro, you know, I invest. Where was the phone call? <laughs> yeah, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> you, you, you raised around from famous people. And you didn't call me. <laughs> 
uh, might be the only ones that uh, I missed out on. But uh, but like for the most part, my my biggest regrets are just not putting more in. Right, like I yeah. I invested <laughs> in uh, <laughs> and more into the ones that did good. Yeah, no, got, uh, there's it. some that I wish I would have put less in that <laughs> failed, and uh, wish I had them back. Uh, but the but like yeah, some of the ones that have done that have done a good job that I really like is uh, like Joel uh, Wyshkowski. I don't know. <laughs> I've known him for 15 <laughs> years. Don't know if I'm saying that name right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he, uh, he started Simple Contacts and turned into Simple Health. Like now, their whole thing is they're they're selling like birth control. Uh, you know, the same way like Hubble Contacts go. Right? It's like oh. very subscription apps sort of stuff. Yeah. But it's like women's health is what it turned into. But it started out as uh, as contacts, and they had all the vision stuff they're building. But they they they're doing great. They'll uh, they're they're a, a crackpot CEO and leadership team now, and just is, build- is crackpot the word that you meant? I don't know. You know, I really just crack. Just um, a crack. Just nope. a crack CEO. Crack CEO. <laughs> no, wait, that might be the wrong one. Wait, crack by that might be crazy. No, she's a she's a smart, capable woman that's doing a great job. That was but it's funny. I, feel, Thank I, feel, you. I like that I have some exposure to like women's health and the future of that, but it's all yep. accidental and we just stumbled into it. Uh, Austin Allred is one that that you know he called and talked about doing Lambda, and that that was one like I was one of the very first checks in. That's what that's one of my misses actually. Wish I wish I would have written a bigger check. <laughs> yeah. I remember meeting Austin. I just saw his Twitter back before he was already Twitter famous. I was like, this guy's awesome. We met in a coffee shop in San Francisco. And I was like, this is brilliant. This is gonna work. You're like he has such a cool story. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't know his like the scrappy startups before this one, but like he was just awesome. And it didn't even like I had zero dollars. It didn't even occur to me at the time to like try to go scrape something together. But it, I mean one of my other stories that uh Quentin Farmer, he uh he was an intern with me at uh Techstars in New York, and this dude went and started Even, uh like a finance company called Even with a buddy. And that was one that like I, literally all the dollars I had to my name was like, here's five thousand dollars. <laughs> he was kind enough to take my money, and they just sold like a, a month ago and got me a very, a very generous return. But that, it was one of those where I'm just like, no, of course, man. You're you're a smart guy. Absolutely. Take all my money and yeah. go, go knock it out. And, uh, you know, I've, I've just, I've just been very, very bullish on like people that I know doing cool stuff. Uh, some of the, it's funny cause some of the, some of my favorite ones aren't huge yet, but like loyalty lion was, uh, was, is a company over in the UK. That's like, it's like the number one loyalty Shopify app, mm-hmm. but those dudes, man, they just grinded their first round was like $74. <laughs> <laughs> on on a hundred dollar valuation, you know, it's like it was like it was just so. Back in those days, you look at some of those, and it's like we're raising two hundred pounds, and uh, and but they they were so- solving a problem that I saw from like a commerce standpoint, where I was like, man, I I wish I could reward people for doing stuff, liking my Facebook mm-hmm. page, uh, subscribing to YouTube, and they're like, we should do that, we can do that, and like they pivoted whatever they were doing and started building this thing. And, and now it's, it's great. It's doing awesome. And it's a cool success story to be a part of, uh, Sace, the um, Trevor, Trevor came out of the Trevor McKendrick came out of, the, we love you, Trevor McKendrick. <laughs> <laughs> no, Trevor. I, I love Trevor. Cause I knew Trevor from back in my startup weekend days in Salt Lake. Yeah. And, uh, he's literally been out and slept on my couch here in Missouri. And, uh, my wife loves him. He's, he's just a cool dude. Yep. 
but then he went, he went and worked with Austin over at Lambda and then came out of there and started, you know, he's like, I'm going to build a bank all in Spanish because nobody's built a Spanish first bank. So it's not press one for Spanish. It's like, no, we're for you. And there's 40 million native Spanish yeah. speakers in America. Yeah, man, checks out. So that's, so, so I write a check in like, again, first check in. And, and then people are like, I got people that invested in pretzel. They're like, wait, can you get me into this deal? And I was like, what? <laughs> wow. Yeah. What? He, he's a popular deal now. How did this happen? And I uh, ended up just being a great, great deal. Everybody loved him. And, uh, I mean, he's, his newsletter is great. Like he's got a hilarious story. Like he, the, 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 the atheist Bible salesman. Yeah. Story. Well, he, like he is fluent in Spanish because he did his, uh, yeah, he Mormon served his mission. mission in Oaxaca. Yeah, and and then he like came back and he built a, the number one app in the app store, which is the Spanish language Bible app in like early iPhone yeah. things. This is like Mormon who is an atheist or I don't yeah, think, well, yeah, he, he, he left, selling he Spanish Bibles. Yeah. Well, he left the faith in the midst of this, right? It was yeah. like, well, now I make all my money selling a Bible <laughs> that I don't really believe in. Uh, what do you there was actually i think uh that startup did a podcast episode on him that is yeah hilarious. yeah he's amazing and, but like it's turning it i mean i totally agree like the, the need for yeah native spanish well, banking is incredible well, and he, yeah i mean you guys have done a great job of like of like you identified the value of an audience very early and uh and have, have focused on bill i mean for him like launching his startup inside of his audience ecosystem has been genius uh it's one of those things where you're like, oh, yeah, I should have sent out a newsletter with some smart <laughs> news clips and people. Well, you know, that's one of those things that like and, and I think very differently about now than I did certainly 10 years ago, but even five years ago, where it's like, if you can build in distribution, you have solved so yeah. much of the problem of any startup, frankly. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that is one where like that audience building is just like, especially when it's so aligned. Like, it's Spanish why we have Eric. Yeah. Eric right. Eric's yes. the audience building. <laughs> it, you and I are too lazy. We're never... <laughs> That's right. That's I, exactly. I actually I did a podcast. I did a podcast for like uh, 400 episodes every week, and uh, like through my 20s, right, with a buddy of mine. And I would literally, man, I'd be at a party in New York, and I'd be like disappearing to the closet to try and record for 40 minutes because I I promised him we'd get it out. Oh, we're two days late. And like I'm in Ukraine up at four in the morning trying to like, and I was just like, man, I don't ever want to do that again. I just don't want the weight of the consistency that has to happen on my shoulders so like I, I don't think i'll ever go to audience building i need we need eric's in our life i once actually, i once while yeah. at business school actually uh started to go down the path of starting a podcasting company in 2004 um with that's a, what you should have done with a guy who's in my with a guy who's in my class we got we got reasonably far down the path and then uh it was actually right when audio mm. got announced and raised a bunch of money or something like that which did not work but became twitter which did work if you guys hadn't heard <laughs> and and actually when they announced the audio stuff we we're like oh that's all the stuff we wanted to go and do oh uh, we're not going to do this anymore we'll just use their even product it, yeah we'll just, and then and then that didn't even work so um well, podcasting was a wasteland for like the first 10 years it existed as it should have been yeah, yeah agree yeah, it was it's weird you, you know the, the one that always like shocks me is uh is it Mark Cuban that had like the basketball broadcasting company or whatever? Or like, oh, we, uh, yeah, web broadcast.com. He owned broadcast.com. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like 1998. And that's one that's like built on real player. And you're like, man, that's stuff. It never really worked. And it was okay. Oh, no. He's, that was the greatest like get out of Dodge of all time. Yeah. He sold that thing for like a billion dollars. I, I think like there's little to no enterprise value left. <laughs> 
I don't I think know Yahoo if they bought ever it. did. I just know that no, he I, made money and it worked out great for Mark. So yeah. yeah. Awesome for him. But I mean, that's one of those where you're like, man, audio on the internet was freaking hard. It was hard. For, yeah. And still, still, I'm invested in uh, Zencaster. Yeah. Which yeah. you should use. Should use. Uh, I had an impartial third party do research on podcast tools and ended up at, at Riverside. But whatever. I think there's different use cases. Yeah. No, Zencaster, Zencaster's great. <laughs> I, I love, uh, I love what they're, what those guys are building. And, uh, that's another, that's one of those that like my buddy, Josh, uh, he, uh, he was working some job and then like needed a soft place to land. So I had him working at the quilt company and he started, he was doing a soft place. He was just wet. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds cozy like as shit. Al. He's doing web audio on the side, like building mixed boards and Node.js and stuff. And, yeah. uh, and then ended up spinning out this company that like the Zencast story is funny because he was making like a million dollars a year just as a solo founder and he's like this sucks like really uh, well he was just he was working all the time he couldn't he couldn't like scale out of mm-hmm. being the one guy that was doing all the stuff uh but like it, all the money was just he was just like living high because uh because yeah. he's doing great so then he started building the company raised the money and uh you know you you put all of that at risk now his outcome is i it's so binary right where it's either like well, all that goes away, or you're a billionaire and you're a genius. Yep. I'm like, man, I I would never have the balls to like put that that little golden goose up for for sale. But he yeah. did. He's doing great, man. Everybody loves him. Uh, that's another that's another good one that like I started out as an advisor and then ended up putting money in as he kept growing. It's great. Yeah, yeah. One one that I like a lot, which I don't even know if you know this story, Eric, but in probably 2006, maybe. Um, I was interviewing for CMOs for Zarly and, um, when you raise like the fancy blue chip venture money and you say you want to hire a CMO and your venture guys want you to hire a CMO cause they give you the money. Now they want you to hurry up and spend all the money as fast as possible. Uh, your CMO candidate like list gets gigantic. Like mm-hmm. I remember joking, there's like 50 famous folks who were applying to be the CMO of this little shitty company, Zarly, but it's because we had all this great backing, all these kind of PR stuff. So I was talking to like kind of like highly credentialed and amazing person after amazing person after amazing person. <laughs> um, like the uh, one of the people that I interviewed is the new CEO of Peloton who's been around the industry oh, forever. No way. <laughs> um, one of them uh, was previously the CMO of like Virgin Airlines who were for Richard Branson. Anyway, one of them, uh, was a guy who um, really, really liked a lot. Um, super, super sharp guy. We got all the way kind of down to it. I, I thought the opportunity to work with him was going to be really fun and awesome. His name was Owen Tripp. And um, kind of got to the end and he's like, one, I'm not sure if this company's going to work. And two, I actually really want to go be the CEO and I'm, I'm going to go found the company with this other guy that I know that's a doc out at Stanford. Like, well, thanks for wasting my time. Well, actually, sure. I was like, can I invest? And he's like, <laughs> Uh, sure like we're gonna go like we're about to go raise a round or whatever and so like i was it was one of those where it's like well, can i invest what is it you do again <laughs> yeah uh and it's actually ended up being an amazing angel investment for me What's like it's company? uh um it's called grand rounds they've now m- merged and kind of consumed a couple other large companies in space but they are basically like the premier medical network for super duper high-end second opinions so like if you uh, live in a small town and work at Walmart and have a workers comp claim and have a problem and you go to a little local doc and they're like, we're not sure, maybe you have brain cancer or maybe you just strained your neck. Um, all of those big employers hire grand rounds to have this very impressive e- expert network of some of the top doctors in the world to say like, hey, let me get on. I'll help you understand what's happening. We can look at all the case file and they've, they've 
um, I think at their last round they were somewhere in the in the unicorn club. Um, and he's just he is honestly as they kind of founder CEO just done a phenomenal job executing on a company that started as hey it seems like there's really smart docs that would be happy to help in other places but yeah. not quite sure when mm-hmm. when and how and they just built this incredible network and have just expertly navigated how to sell into businesses and kind of pivoted the business model a few ways but all forward progress and it's going to end up i mean it, it have not you know there's, there's not been an exit there yet but it's really really an impressive company and it was wholly based on the fact that like i knew owen was incredibly impressive and he could have told me he was doing anything and I would have written him a check. And oh, like, those are awesome. kind of, that, that's like one of my favorite kind of investments. And then the other one is one, um, that, um, that kind of comes to mind that I, that I like a lot. We'll see what happens. Um, that I actually met through tech stars when they were in Kansas city, um, called solo funds, um, which is a group that was basically going just directly after the, um, worst parts of the payday loan industry hmm. and saying that like, Hey, this is an industry that is full of, um, uh, predatory issues. Russians. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's real, it's, it's a really, really tough and broken industry, but it's also like very meaningful industry for the people who need it. And what happens today is they get taken advantage of. And so solo funds launched a company that is a, is a much more peer to peer kind of network version of this where nobody is out there to be a, a predator. And actually people are out there to say like, like a oh, lending club, you're for a, payday you're loans? a, you're a, yeah. you're a single mom and you can't make your electric bill. I'm absolutely, I'm very happy to give you 150 bucks to pay and you pay me back 160 bucks when you can kind of a thing. Right. And they've, they built a really neat network. They just, they just raised around recently. I, I, I invested a few years ago, um, but it is, it's a really grindy, hard but a messy problem that if they can solve it, it will just be such a meaningful company to so many people. Um, and I think the team there, Travis, the CEO has just done a great job at, at staying kind of mission focused on that. And I think it's actually going to turn into be like a really meaningful company over time. And like, like people who you would bet on them, no matter what they do, or people who are just attacking those really, really hard problems where like, I don't actually care if I lose all my money on that investment. I would make that investment every day of the week but I think they're going to pull it off. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of amazing when you can find those things. And I, I think, you know, as it relates to us guys kind of shooting the shit and doing deals together, like that is a thing where like, once you do enough of those deals, you see enough more of those deals um, that honestly you, you can make it a full-time job or you can team up with some other guys who are in a similar spot and say like, Hey, let's do the ones that we all want to be a part of. Um, and I think that's a fun, that's a, that is a fun thing to spend time on where like, um, you get to be around smart people who want to be around other smart people who are building cool shit. And that is, that is, uh, that's kind of the whole point, I think, from my perspective. Uh, yeah. Honestly, uh, you know, you think about like the end of your career, not the end of your career, but like, oh my God, it's a fatalistic. At, at the stage, <laughs> at the stage of your career where it's like, what do you optimize? You know, yeah, you have money, you have success, you have all the things that you wanted when you were 18 and set out on this journey. And it's like, what do you do with the rest of your life? And it's like, well, you find reasons to go get good barbecue with a couple of buddies, and like, <laughs> and, like and you help can, the next. And can we group leverage? Can we leverage our skills and, yeah. and network into helping the next generation? I, I mean, one of my, one of my other uh, one of my other investments that, that did really well is uh, these kids Bruno and Richie, who started Pura, and Pura is like a, I would describe it like a Sensi meets your Nest thermostat, right? Like like it's a smart home diffuser it's got multiple scents in there and it can like oh bo loves scents you, you <laughs> wake, talking my language <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's you go. wake up to some orange citrus and go to sleep to some lavender and it's Ooh. yeah they they've uh but they these guys these guys were like they were right out of college right just a couple of scrappy dudes uh trying their best 
And it was funny because I I keep talking to him. Like I got connected to him to him through like an incubator. Through no, actually, it was through a buddy of mine that that uh, they just kept showing up on this dude's doorstep, and being like, "Please tell us how to do this. Please help us." Uh, and it was, like they they offered me the CEO job at one point. Like the two founders were like, "Please, you come and do it." And like I should have said yes. I'd be much wealthier than I am now. <laughs> I was like, "No, you guys got it. You're gonna do fine. Like hang in there. You, you're great." Um, but like just getting to cheerlead the, them through their terribly insecure moments where now, now they're like, I mean, they're well into the billion dollars, and like killing it because uh, what, what, they took that same, it, it was a skill they actually leveraged of just like the likable dummies yeah. that like everybody loves them. And so they, they would go and like, like, I don't know how, but this huge manufacturer over in New York gave us free money. I'm like, no, they didn't give you money. Yes, they gave us money to go and build this thing. And then they're like, hey, we got a license from Disney. No, you didn't. Yeah, here's the Elsa scent. And they're selling it in the Disney store. I'm like, how the crap did you get there's no, There's not a frozen scent. How did, nobody can get in Disney. And they're like, it just happened. That's awesome. And like, dude, they're just like these likable guys that everybody loves that like, uh, it was. It, the, and they smell great. Yeah, no, they're, they're very, very good. Uh, they're they're my lesson of like every time I've never not regretted investing with an uncapped note. You know that's one of those yeah. that, like I put in early money. Nineteen years of stress and anxiety yeah. later, they raise their round, that, which is where I convert. I was like, son of a bitch, I'll never do that again. But also, really good job. I'm not mad. I'm gonna make a lot of money on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, no, so, go ahead. Tim. No, I'm just like the, those guys, man. When you start to find those people that you can be like. I just want you to succeed. Like yeah. it's a great relationship from an investor standpoint. On the on the missed note, mm. why did not why how, how did we not invest in Casper? Did you know how, those how did, guys? How did that happen? Um, were we too late? Were we too early? Eric's fiance was like very very early at Casper, and I don't know how that didn't make it into it, the portfolio at some point. Yeah, it's a reasonable question. Um, I think they there was probably a fundraise that we missed relatively early on um I, I know that company like they all place bets like the day before launch day of like what is launch day and launch week going to look like how long is it going to take us to send sell 100 mattresses or something like that and like that blew up faster than anybody ever dreamed that it would um i think they raised like a small seed round before that um so that was just it, a it, like, didn't exist there story man yeah incredible yeah. brand i mean amazing um amazing team like red antler branding really thoughtful like bunch of things from the very beginning one of the things I, I don't know if there's a generalizable lesson or if you guys have can pattern match this but one of the things that i thought from watching casper is like they had five founders from day one which is potentially chaos salad yeah, but, it sounds awful but also they had like a great e-com experience really good design great product meaningful operation like they had a lot of stuff right that if you had it, it would have been really hard to start that with two people and have it look that good and run that tight from from the very beginning. I think part of it was it just looked like a really polished brand on day one because they spent probably half their seed round on Red Antler and Jeez. design and and product and stuff. But I don't know. Have you seen big successful founding teams as a pattern or not particularly? No, I haven't. Okay. I hate it. Oh, interesting. I, I mean, the 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 thing that you run into the most is like, I, I hate 50-50. Well, I don't hate, but like 50-50 partnerships never feel great to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I want like a like a 70. Like, I, 
I, I, pref- I much prefer, you know, a scenario where it's like, this is our leader and yeah. I'm the number two guy and I'm happy to be here at the number two position, but like, yeah, you know, where it's, where it's 51 and 49. I, I don't know. Like a lot of people have success with that. My PTSD from my own experiences has been like, oh, we should have, we should have articulated like what the roles were in the beginning. Instead, we were, we're all co-CEOs and it's going to be fine and we'll figure yeah. it out. No, because we all love each other. And then like you add a bunch of money and, and stress and anxiety to it. And, like you end up with one guy that's trying to pull his weight in the other direction and stuff. And a hundred decisions later, just mathematically, it's yeah. like very unlikely that everybody. I mean, if, the, if the those five time. founders were like, I'm a CEO and here's our product guy and he's mm-hmm. got 10% of the company and here's our design guy and they've got 14%, you know, like we've divvied it all up in the beginning, but we knew we had five roles we need to fill. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's awesome. They did see, I mean, a lot of those uh, three, I think, of them left within a few years, you know, yeah, five five years or something, which they you know, it's not that they're all still there anymore. Why wouldn't you? Um, and on the flip side of that, I would say that uh, I think there may be no harder grind to exist than like a solo founder. Mm-hmm. And so like if I had to choose between five and one, <laughs> I'd kind of be like, well, I don't think those five are going to be there. So let's make sure we understand what it looks like for people to fall off that list. Yeah. But going it alone takes something special. That That yeah. is the thing. Like that, that is the thing that I will tell you that like people pull it off every single time. I'm amazed. I yeah. could never do it. Like mm-hmm. that is a thing. Well, like, I always ask. I always ask why, man, like such a lonely, like that's a crappy way to spend a career. Go find yourself a buddy that you can like turn in a chair and be like, man, this is hard. Yeah, it sucks, right? Yep. I'm all out of money and I don't know what to do. <laughs> and it's just me. And it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta yeah, get a dog. Yeah, you know, yeah. Something. <laughs> we should probably cover like why why start a fund. Um, we've been we've been personal investing for a long time. Kind of started sharing what, deals. What, what's and your stuff. reason? Why are you here? Because we talked about it at Capital Camp. And it seemed like a really good idea. <laughs> no, I mean. The, I like that this was born at Capital Camp. It seems like the most capitalistic way for a fund is, to be born. It's absolutely, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's not quite what it was for, but it feels appropriate yeah. on both sides. Yeah, um, I think it, it is very unsatisfying as like a much smaller angel investor to be like, please take my five thousand dollars, please. Yeah. Um, I'll help as much as I can. And you're like, I know that there's barely break even on the paperwork and that like you're doing me a favor by investing. And on the flip side, it is also unsatisfying to like write a post or record a podcast with a founder for an audience and be like, look at all this money I made all by myself. Um, and so I both want to have more of an impact on the portfolio companies that we invest in and be like, when you are stuck, like here is a meaningful amount of money that can actually like give you, you know, yeah, three six months reach a new milestone like we will uniquely take conviction and like show that in you um and try to get a company from zero to one and on the other side you know the, the more people i talk to who are in i don't know portland maine or europe or like places all over the world who are like i just don't get to go to capital camp or like i'm not friends with trevor mckendrick who slept on my couch when he was like thinking about starting his next company it's kind of like if, I don't know. It feels good to be like, let's dump all our money in a pool and yeah. share it all out on both sides. Mine is interesting. Like my reason for being here is, is, uh, I mean, like we said, it's a, it's an excuse to get together with a bunch of guys that I, that I like. And like, let's, let's have our reason to get together, talk about how we're going to help the people that we're invested in. And, what, you know, like that's a great way to spend 
a lunch you know we'll, mm-hmm. we'll uh we can go on a senior single cruise at some point <laughs> <laughs> whatever the world takes us we'll uh we'll adventure out but but i like for me for me i, I mean i'm investing my own cash uh really really having a good time with it but like i keep finding uh yeah i mean i i i feel like i'm seeing more deals than i'm able to get into because i allow yeah. myself four investments a year okay. and so i like i was budgeting 100 grand to go in and four 25k checks and there's some of them that i'd be like yeah and i actually had one a couple of years ago where i was like big conviction around this i'm going to take the rest of this fund and throw it in here and uh and see where this goes because i wanted i wanted to back more but then that like killed my my uh you know deal flow for the rest of the year and uh and really really you know it's it's one of those things where like i think net net i'd end up you know i'll end up making the same amount of money through our carry and stuff Mm -hmm. on this but like the fact that i get to after being a founder and raising money you know and and realizing like hey i'm trying to raise a million bucks somebody says he take my thousand dollars take my five grand like they say yes because they're buddies but like it it didn't help me get any closer to my goal and if we can be 50k or 100k checks uh across these like we actually you know we get to write an early check with conviction that means something and uh and and to get to yeah sort of outsize our our impact to the founder and we'll make the same amount of money because you know we're putting our money in and and making return on the carry and all that stuff but we get to bring a bunch of people along with us and give good exposure to people into our our networks that we've spent 20 years building mm-hmm. uh seems great and it seems seems like seems like fun and i i love i don't know i don't know i feel like uh yeah i feel like i find myself finding people that like that like i really like to work with i really want to go and help them be successful we work really hard like i spent a lot of late nights doing the you know reviewing the new website redesign i'm good at i'm yeah. good at marketing and branding stuff and i'm good at like growth hacks and marketing and so uh and so like I dive into a lot of that stuff with people and, uh, and try, try really hard, but would love, you know, a lot of times it's just money is what they need and yeah. not, not anything else. And so the fact that we can like, I don't know, put a, put a broad, a broad brush over all of that, uh, was what got me enthusiastic about doing this and saying, all right, like, yeah, let's use this. Let's do the same thing we're doing, but we'll, uh, we'll say yes to a few more checks a year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and also I liked that Like you guys are much more uh dialed into like a web three world i'm i'm probably the curmudgeon of the group where i'm like ah there's still plenty of money to be made in web two you guys can take the web (laughs) but like it gives us exposure to other sides you'll look at my stuff most of my stuff i think it's consumer focused you know a little bit of SaaS, but most of it ends up being a product that you're selling to somebody and uh and then like you guys would be a much different a much different lens on that stuff and i love the idea of having some exposure in my world to this stuff instead of just staying in my silo till i die so uh, i I think actually that that last point to me is like a big reason for like why i want to do this like i think one um in the same way that i didn't want to be a solo founder Mm -hmm. i don't actually love being a solo investor i don't actually mind making decisions i don't ever i'm not a i'm not a follower investor i never sell something but it is cool to say what do you guys think yeah when when i have conviction in something like i write a check and i don't i try to keep no expectations but um it's actually i think a reason i don't enjoy it that much is it's just like me by myself telling myself that i'm smarter an idiot and like i don't (laughs) like that's not that is not like how i like to work but but at a kind of kind of more maybe useful level what i would say is like I'm like pretty sure that we're at this really weird point in time where like web two and web three 
have overlap and lessons to learn from each other. And I kind of keep having this feeling. So I graduated from college in 2000. And I keep thinking, like, if I was as smart about the Internet as I am today in 2000, I would definitely be a mini billionaire, I think. Uh, um, But nobody was right because Mm -hmm. like because of where we were in the process. I watched the dot com kind of boom and crash and all this stuff when I was like a little too young and inexperienced to know what to do with it. And, And I actually kind of thought. I would never see a phenomenon like that again in my life. I was like, I was just barely too young and my dad was a little too old. We kind of straddled it and I'm like, holy shit, it's happening again. And now I'm smarter. And yeah. and I know a couple other guys who are really smart, both in hindsight and foresight looking. And there's, I see, I've seen even in the last year, way too many deals for me to even like get through. So like I end up, I end up like investing in ones that I have time to spend on it. But I think like that, overlap of web two and web three and where you can take lessons from the from the last wave and apply mm-hmm. them to the new while we're just looking at like a whole new kind of infrastructure be built is um is just like too interesting for me to not want to dip into i guess and like the, the only alternative is just like pretend it doesn't exist and then just go on about <laughs> happy about your life but i think it's um i think we're just seeing a, a, the reinvention of a lot of things and a lot of very smart founders and different organizational structures and that's like a really fun thing to spend the next 20 years on. Yeah. That feels like a team sport to me, not like a one man sport. And like, I'm like, oh, this feels like a good team to work on it with. Web3 is absolutely a motivator for me too. I, like the, as soon as I, you kind of re- do the work to wrap your head around it. And then like my first reaction is kind of like founder mindset. Of like, oh, what are the companies we can start like with this new set of tools and opportunities? And you're like, uh, you could pretty quickly get to a list of like 20, 50, yep. 100. Where you're like, uh, how can you possibly like, the right play here is like sort of spread capital and understanding as broadly as you can over this whole phenomenon. And and there's a perfect way to learn. I mean, like not just individual investor, but like, I feel like I've already just learned in the last hour from listening to you. Like, oh, that's a cool like story of that company that I didn't know how that piece of the world worked that you got smart about because you invested or the founder taught you everything. It's like, yeah, I mean, we learn so much more when there's, three of us and any of us could be a great solo GP if we spent 80 hours a week doing it. But I think we can kind of put our like wonder twin wonder triplet rings together and like be <laughs> really good at it um, in the natural course of our lives by sort of fusing all of this together. It sounds beautiful. I mean, it, so- it sounds like does this solve peace? <laughs> did we do it <laughs> suck it Putin <laughs> uh, 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 is there any other reasons for fund because um, I think it's worth spending a minute on the on why rolling fund in particular rolling fund rolling it's called it's a rolling fund called rolling fund Yes. Uh, but the, the like structure of it is meaningful, I think, and, and like lets us do this in a way that like I, I also don't think that we would be like raising a traditional fund. I don't think any of us is like we would just if the, if the only options were like spend a year to raise 20 million bucks all at once and then deploy it like yeah, um, <laughs> we would just keep doing the personal thing. So the fact that Angel has built rolling funds that let us kind of like so, Semi passively scale up the natural pattern of. I think it's so awesome. Investing is awesome. I would just say so. A thing that I did not mention. Uh, actually, when I was at the Coffin Foundation, I had this very hilarious experience where um, Nivi 
is a co-founder of Angelus with Naval. Um, I, they were at the time building whatever the Sunrunners blog, basically called Venture Hacks. That for anybody who was in the internet at the mm-hmm. time, it was like a cool thing. How to start up? How many founders should you have? How to think about equity? All anyway, Venture Hacks was like a cool thing. And I just thought they were neat dudes. And I had to give away money at the Kauffman Foundation. So I called Nivy one day and I was like, hey, Nivy, I want to give you like some money to keep doing what you're doing, basically. And he was like, cool. I was like, but I need you to come out to Kansas City in order to like have this conversation and high five and make everybody at the foundation feel good. He's like, all right. So he shows up. I don't know if anybody knows Nivy, but Nivy is a hilarious, genius lunatic. He's <laughs> one of the most interesting and amazing guys ever. Um, so he shows up wearing like his dad's suit from the sixties with his shirt tucked into his underwear. And like, he was amazing. And he was like, Hey, well really what we want to do actually is we've tried a couple of times. Didn't quite work. We want to build this thing called angel list. And here's what it is. And I was like, cool. Can I just give the money to venture hacks? And then you guys like kind of turn it into what you want, want to turn it into. And I think it was actually the very first money that went into angel list. Actually, I think yeah. it was the seed of, it was like $500,000 seed. That that actually birthed Angel List. You just called people and gave them five hundred thousand. Yeah, that was literally my job. Our job, my job at the call. Does that Foundation. job still exist? Can I call? Them? <laughs> um, uh, You'd be good at that job, was, Al. Um, but but yes is the short answer. Like that that was what I did, and it was a great. It was awesome. Ended up being one of the coolest things actually that I ever got to kind of see happen at, at the Coffin Foundation. And uh, anyway, and so I kind of feel like in some ways, like I was got to like see the the birth of it, and then the foundation actually ended up investing through its like actual endowment in AngelList as it kind of got bigger and got escape a lot. It all came out of this like program related investment. It's called a PRI. We're like investing in something mm-hmm. that is not necessarily a five hundred one c three, but that furthers the mission of it. And so I kind of got to see this thing born. And AngelList has just turned into such a juggernaut that I think it's really cool. To your point, as it relates to this rolling fund thing, is like what I would say is like. I think about this very much as like a no pressure way to participate in deals we're going to do anyway with some guys who like hopefully you think are smart, but you don't have to go out and like raise a hundred million dollars or a billion dollars. Like one of the great secrets of like venture capital is that like the better you get at it, the more time you spend raising money. (laughs) And it's like, that's like hell as a startup. Think about it. It's like now your only job is to just all year long, all year long raise money. Like I, I don't want to do that with my career. Yeah. This is one where it is very much like, hey, they have built a mechanism so that anybody who wants to participate in it can. If you think it sounds fun, if you want to put in 20 grand, if you want to put in 2 million, like whatever, like it is a it is a very like empowering tool, I think, for folks who are going to do deals anyway. And for other people who are maybe interested in doing it some way, but kind of want to like go along for the ride and learn mm-hmm. as they go. I, I think it is going to actually be one of the great like educational things for future angels. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll learn a lot. And I think actually this would never happen without that mechanism. And like, it is so badass that they built this into the platform that they did. It's like, let's early adopt it and try it out and see what happens. Cause it seems awesome. Yeah. I, I, I really like that idea of like, I can put five grand a quarter in and I just yeah. get to watch, like, why'd you pick these deals? You know, as we submit the deals to the, to the LPs and stuff, we have to like say, Here's why we like it. Here's why we think it's interesting. Here's why we think it's going to be successful. Here's the other people that are investing in it. Here's here's what all this is about. And you and I mean, give yourself give yourself two years. You know, you're out. What is that? Twenty grand a year. And uh, but you have a decent track record with good exposure that you get to say, how did those guys do? You know, like which ones which ones did a good job, which ones didn't. And now I have I have enough that I can like look at and say what I'm excited about and what I'm not. That's that. That's a great point, man. I, I actually wish I would have done that. You know, I ended up backing some syndicates early on in the mm-hmm. Angelus yep. days. I remember those days, and uh, that felt like a. I mean, that felt like a waste of <laughs> a waste of money and energy to me. Uh, looking back, because I have like seventeen dollars in in fifty different companies or something. But like, 
But like the syndicate, the syndicate would get so big and do, you know, they do these like massive investments and deals all over the place. And it, it was almost so much that I like, I had no idea why they were choosing these or what was going on with them. Like they weren't, they were just, they were operating more as a traditional fund. And so I, I like this a little bit more concentrated, you know? Yeah. If we were, if we were, if we got to $20 million a year that we're trying to deploy, I mean, it's a much different reason that you want to back us than you are right now. Right now, right now, our goal is to like maintain our lifestyle, take a few meetings a week, you know, hang out with cool people and be, uh, be ambassadors of, uh, of, of great startup ways and, uh, letting people come along with us. Like this, this is the, this is a great format to do it in. Yeah. And we, we're going to, I mean, keep it small to start with, right? Like we're a lot of friends who, when I was starting this, were like, how do you know? Like, what do you do if you can't deploy the money? I was like, well, there's a, there's a bunch of answers to that. But the first is like, we're starting really small to alleviate that. Like, um, I don't think we'll have trouble <laughs> productively deploying two and a half million a year. If we had 10 million there, that would actually be like, it's like, how do we, now we've got to fight to get into deals. We've got to like yeah. really work to get it through. And it's like, no, nah, we don't want that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think like slowly raise the cap as we get, you know, if we're like, we give ourselves a 90% Listen. If we're geniuses, um, if, yeah. it's our duty. <laughs> How dare we not? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, yeah, just we have to keep balanced. Like the, you know, <laughs> the, uh, the amount of genius and the amount of capital. Yeah. I, I, do, not, I do not think it'll be a challenge to deploy the capital. I, frankly, I think it is yeah. absolutely going to be a thing where it's, we um, all have pretty solid deal flow yeah. and really, really good networks. And, and in some ways, like even at this kind of size that we're talking about now, like, we're going to have to pass on some things that look good and mm -hmm. that is okay and good discipline. And I feel good about it. But like, I think, um, I really like that. Uh, it's very approachable from anybody who wants to come along for the learning journey. I think yeah. we will learn a lot in the process. We'll be as transparent as can, you can possibly be because, um, uh, that feels like the right thing to do. Well, and listen, like we're available for you to talk. I mean, anybody can take a 30 minutes of Eric's time. Anytime they want. <laughs> you're welcome to it just ask a question it's fine no but but we we are an approachable group if you'd like to hang out come to kansas city i'm you, i'm sure you'll be doing some dinners or something for our lps right somebody they got to get something out of this yeah yeah they get the returns um, <laughs> no well, it, like th that's what i'm excited about actually and i want i want to like um pick like apply your community genius to this because i think um we should buy a town <laughs> you're absolutely right i love it rolling town the rolling fun town look i don't want to say that al's only got one trick but <laughs> he does have a trick <laughs> buy a town when but you're a hammer <laughs> I, truly though i've been i've been so like i'm blown away by how brilliant the lps that we have are so far like they are in these i mean there's a vr ar engineer from facebook there's like google execs with like amazing their own portfolio we've got series a vcs we've got our engineers um buddies of mine from hardware companies and i don't know like people who are very very smart and who also the first thing out of their mouth after they say like i'm in but also put me to work like i think i feel like a lot of gps um probably especially at bigger funds are, are like very much have this perception like they're, they're paying me to be like the lone genius and just like shut in a room and like i'll take care of everything and they like keep lps at arm's length and i feel like there's such an opportunity especially with this group who's like we'd be very transparent and be like here's our portfolio here's where they need help 
here's where we can bring connect them into them, the volley. Use That's them. Yeah. <gasps> Put them in the. <laughs> Do, at some size, do we pivot slightly into a rolling fund DAO? Is that, is that just like what happens there when the network is big enough? I don't know. I mean, I, like you can imagine a Discord that's like, you know, Absolutely. here's yeah. new opportunities. Here's here's how we bring. So like, I, I think we will continue to explore like how we involve LPs and bring Does them along. Does someone already have a decentralized venture fund? Is that a thing that exists? Seems like a thing that would exist. I feel like I'm, I'm sure it exists in name of some sort. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely like, I don't know, Flamingo, like, in crypto, I feel like crypo stuff just kind of yeah, popped up sure. overnight. It's yep. like shared treasury investing stuff, but it's also like crypto only, right. um, which I don't think like we are certainly crypto, but we, I don't think we want to be crypto only yet. Correct. Um, He's absolutely right. <laughs> else, don't leave me. We've got, a, we've got a web two guy sitting right there. <laughs> that would be whack. Yeah. <laughs> we cannot be. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think the, a lot of the motivation is is um, learning oriented, like for us and for and for LPs and um, building out this portfolio. And um, I mean, for for us, we all get more exposure to a much longer list of companies than we could personally. And the same yeah. is true, you know, th- th- play the power log game and try to just get get money into like guys ten or twenty companies a year instead of four. It's an education. It's cheaper than Harvard. All right, so you're welcome. <laughs> If you only got to pick Rolling Fun or Harvard. No, for sure. Rolling. I mean, I, we've been to Harvard. There's nothing there. That was, I remember like tw- saying or tweeting or something. I would be like, my new goal is to go to Harvard Business School. And Bo's like, ah, I wouldn't fight too hard for that. Re- maybe choose a better goal. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you had this, like, because I did the OPM program, the owner principal manager, which is like the rich kid version. It's like the executive MBA where you don't have to do any homework or anything. And, uh, and like, I felt like three of the teachers were what I had in my head as like Harvard teachers. And then there were some that were like, shouldn't have been in a community college. They were just like terrible. And then there's a few that were like unremarkable in every way. And that was like the mix. Is that, was that sort of the business school? Yeah, I think that's yeah. right. I, I think it's right. I think that, that there's, there's a few that you're like, I am in, I am inspired and better because I've been in your class. hundred percent. Yes. Mm. Yep. And then, and then I was just shocked at the other, I'm like, how'd you get a job at Harvard? Do you know of a guy? Did your uncle start this? What are you, what are you doing? Here? Do we have legacy start, teachers here? Did your uncle start this? Did he start this little rickety show here or what? Like <laughs> Frank, you've got to be related to these guys somehow. Uh, Should we talk about what we look for in companies? Companies that we love pr- principally. I, I feel I, like that's a, that's a, that's a hard one to encapsulate an answer because it's stuff that we're excited about. It's founders. It's the idea. It's the traction. It's like all the, all the stuff ends up being a part of like what gets me excited for one. Mm -hmm. And if any of those are missing, it doesn't mean I'm not excited about it. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like, I don't know. Do you have anything as you look at stuff? Is there, is there some commonality for you, Bo? Oh, I think that I'm like a pretty like founder first investor and mm-hmm. i would honestly bet on someone who i really believe in almost regardless of what their idea is because i think they'll figure it out along the way on the one hand on the other hand i think that uh kind of in the spirit of a lot of things are going to get reinvented here over the next 10 years um i really like the themes of um 
things that have been proven in a web one, web two world that just don't have a corollary in the web three world, for example, like you already know the thing is going to work. It is just a question of execution and when. Mm -hmm. And I think those are two different buckets. And what I really like is when those buckets get combined Mm -hmm. and it's like, I would bet on this person for anything. And they so happen to be working on kind of inventing the next version of the internet or technology or whatever. And like the more of those you can find combined, the better. Um, but, uh, but I think that it's, um, would be tough for me to like, uh, write out exactly what that looks like. It'd be tough. Yeah. I, I think that's like one of those, like, yeah, no shit. You want to be a good founder. So does everybody. Yeah. Um, it's, it, but like, what kind of quilt company have you <laughs> That's what I want to know. Do you own a town? Because if not, I may not be interested. I don't know. Can have you, you thought about <laughs> Can you thread a bobbin? <laughs> Ready, go. <laughs> It's it's one of the like the the better you know the founder, the less other stuff you uh, feel like you need to see. Yeah, you know, that that's true. Uh which which like yeah. I mean, honestly, honestly, looking at the looking at like our network that we have, mm-hmm. right? Where we've been friends and buddies of all these people. Like like investors, man, I feel like they have a crappy network. You know, like as as an investor to meet somebody and try and build that relationship, you're disadvantaged day one. Yeah. But like as a as smart people that people call the riff ideas on anyway and talk about how to do it or call when they have a problem anyway, we've got great networks of great smart people that want to be around us and we want to be around them. Like yeah. that's, that's going to be our biggest advantage is we actually, I mean, I invest very rarely in people that I don't know or don't have very qualified. Same connections. Too, yeah. yeah. And I, the earlier the stage, I think the more true that is. You know, like I don't know, man. Once you we, get to the later stage, I'm like, I can't make any returns on this. My five grand isn't going to do anything. <laughs> yeah, turn into ten grand. I'm putting it somewhere else. And it becomes more. Um, I don't know. It becomes more quantitative, more like high analysis. Like it, it, these these early stage things are very much like, even if we were full time, like you give up something by no longer being a founder. Like you are a better investor because you're a founder, and vice versa. Yeah. Um, I feel like we, we see that over and over again, which is why, again, my rolling funds and these mechanisms are so awesome because more and more and more founders can very productively like allocate capital in spare time to people that they know and trust and opportunities that they see. And I mean, how many of yours have come from being like, oh, I, as the CEO of Missouri Star Quote Company, really want to use this product and like put it to work and I have a problem that this company solves and please solve it for me. No, I mean, yeah. there's there's certainly a few of them that come from like, I, I mean, I mean, my, my world in e-commerce, right? Like I know the things that exist and the big holes and gaps that, yeah. that are there. And so when somebody comes along and says, Hey, I'm going to build the, the loyalty app. That's going to reward people for doing these random actions on the internet. I say, Oh, that's great. I've, I've Googled that for that exact solution a number of times. I think you'll make a lot of money. You should do it. Be your first customer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there, there's a few of those. I mean, even, even our first investment that we made, uh, in the fund where loom like that's one that i look at and i say man uh i'm i could see the value of having that data in a hundred products like i can't wait for this to exist and you're going to make a mint selling this all over the place like this should absolutely be a thing yeah we talk us through talk us through where loom yeah where loom is cool he's cool founder samuel uh but they're they're doing they're doing a product where uh they go and crawl all the secondhand uh, sites so like you've got your posh marks and your ebays and your whatever else and right now what, what you do is you go in and say i am looking for uh this this coach bag 
and uh, you know, sort of price range, qualifiers of it. Here's the things, and then like, tell me when, tell me when you get one. And uh, so they're crawling and adding more and more inventory. So they're looking at all the sites, then pinging you and saying, "Hey, here they are at this price." And then if one shows up at a price that you're interested in, at a condition that you like, like you go get it. Uh, which is which is like a lot of people see a lot of value in that of being mm-hmm. able like set up your alerts and just have it crawl everything. And the hard part for them is they're using like some machine learning and stuff to match. They've got to figure out what that random item is that's been listed on eBay and is it the same as this other random item that's been listed on, uh, you know, let go or what whatever real, else, real right? or, yeah. And uh, so there's a bunch of there's a bunch of work in sort of building that product database on the back end and matching it. But like, what's cool about it is is then they could they could take that and give me a value to an asset that I've got, you know, on demand and uh, and also give me general inventory and sell through ability and all the other stuff related to it, which uh, a lot of these secondhand places would love to have is as a data source yeah. uh, for them. So like, I, I look at that and I'm like, man, they have great retention. 97% stick around. People stick around. They have uh, more people signing up. Every, well, obviously, but like it's, it's a good growth rate and uh referral, like the K factor is, is meaningful. And, uh, and so I like both of us, I, like we like asked our wives, would you use this? So like, Oh yeah, that's a great idea. I yeah. love that. It's like, okay, all right, this checks out. And, we should do it. Yeah, a lot of users, a lot of growth, a lot of like, and great retention for for super early stage. So yeah, man, it's pretty. Yeah. No, when well, I'm excited for the product to turn in, like right now, it's just alerts, but it'll turn mm-hmm. into more of a web based product that will do more and more. And uh, people, people, I, I, I could, I could just see us going there instead of ever going to like a, a yeah. eBay or something. Why would you start your search anywhere except for on Wearlo? Uh, where did you, where did you encounter them? Do you remember? Uh, he has a referral from Austin, actually. Austin oh, nice. has his fund and, uh, he invested in it and sent him over my way because I'm, uh, I'm my, the, the commerce world junkie. Yeah. And so, uh, sent it over to me and I got to chatting with him. It was, it was great. That's awesome. Have you yet built your podcasting studio or? Of course I have okay, recording great, studios. Great, great. Oh. I got video recording. I mean, come on. Great. Okay. Great. What is this? A I, I, cracker why, why aren't we at Al's, I, why aren't we at Al's I, studio like covered in next quilts? Next time we're at Al's studio. That feels like a thing to do. <laughs> yeah. I want a quilt on my lap while, yeah. we, while we do this. No, next you know time. what we should do? We should make quilt. That'll be a bro activity. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already like a sous chef of quilting in my own house. Yeah. So yeah, you're good at ironing. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> Sous chef. <I'm> <laughs> <laughs> I don't, is there a technical term? Yeah, no, that's right. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's how we call it in the biz. All right. Uh, if you want more of our shenanigans, um, or to read, uh, probably a higher concentration version of this, um, we wrote a bunch of stuff on rolling.fun and we got a link there that you can subscribe to the fund it's if great, you want to. It's a great URL, rolling.fun. Rolling.fun is good work, Bo. Bo, Bo nabbed that URL. is yeah. extremely clutch. Go daddy fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Bo knows how to get a URL, man. My, my list of owned URLs is much, much larger than my list of used URLs. <laughs> so if, if you're looking for a URL, I may already own it, guys. Yeah. I don't know. This one converted <laughs> very quickly. Um, Dude, those Friday nights where like you had 100. Is, yeah. those, they're always like dark holes. You're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> See, this is why I need to work with other people it's <laughs> too dark of a hole for me to navigate on i said i sat on the domain class of con for a long time mm. i wanted i wanted the con academy yes, <laughs> yes. i was like it's just such a good name yeah then i love it i've owned ghoulpool for about ghoulpool.org i think for oh, about five years you're now you're gonna do something with that someday. someday i just i can't let it go 
Uh, my current most unused and proud domain is guysguysguys.com. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can only use that for one thing. Well, you know, I used to always come into a meeting all excited with Eric and be like, guys, guys, guys. And then at some point I bought it and he's like, you know, that's not what guys, guys, guys <laughs> means, right? I was like, oh, it's totally different when you write it down. Oh. Damn it. I blew it. <laughs> I was so excited to end this recording before Bo was able to give context to that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for listening. I truly hope you had a great time. Uh, those guys are hilarious, and I love every minute we get together. If you would like to invest with us somehow after hearing that miraculously, we have availability for investors starting this quarter. The minimum is 16 k a year, and unfortunately, we are limited to working only with accredited investors. Um, but please remember, uh, if you don't know this already through your own scars, that startup investing is incredibly illiquid and quite high risk. Um, so please be careful. Uh, you can read a lot more at rolling.fun to get some more context. If you're interested, we'd love to have you join us. Uh, and we'll keep publishing episodes like this with our investment updates to bring you all along for the ride. If you like this episode, you will also love my conversations with Shane Mack, who was one of my inspirations for starting this fund. And Chris Powers, uh, who's an incredible operator and capital allocator uh, in a totally different space in, in commercial real estate. And he's got a great uh, story that you might appreciate as well. A thought to leave you with, since we're on the topic of capital leverage, is make sure your money has a job. Uh, even if it's not with us, just put your money to work somewhere, make sure it's productive, and remember that your money can work harder than you can. I really appreciate you hanging out with us today. This is all about laughing and learning, building leverage, and compounding our faces off. What our brains aren't evolved to comprehend is how much leverage is possible in modern society. There's a revolution going on, man. Uh, go pay attention to it. Get a part of it. Get exposed to it. You're going to make money along the way. You're going to have fun. The call to adventure. This is the new form of leverage. Take a few quiet moments for yourself, breathe deep, and be well. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.